podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. ago, complementary and alternative medicine was defined as therapies that were not taught in medical school or offered in mainstream hospitals. But this no longer applies. Many complementary and alternative therapies are now offered in clinics and hospitals around the country, and their use and acceptance is growing rapidly. This is reflected in a new name used in many healthcare settings, integrative therapies. But whether you say integrative or complementary therapies or holistic practices or something else, it refers to the same thing, a wide array of healing practices that fall outside purely pharmaceutical or surgical treatments. Mary Jo Kreitzer. This episode is about natural alternative healing and other thoughts in between. And we'll be listening to Jeff Mazierick who is the author of two books, the first being Spirituality Simplified, an easy-to-understand and entertaining work that provides an ideal starting point for anyone with a sincere desire to pursue a path of personal and or spiritual growth. His second book, Cody's Journey, is a very personal memoir about his border colleague, Cody, who passed away in 2005. Both books are available in print and ebook formats on Amazon, and Cody's Journey also can be found in ebook format on bn.com. Jeff's spiritual growth philosophy is based upon the works of many of today's most respected personal spiritual growth authors. It is rooted in the concept that each individual is personally responsible for creating the entire substance of their lives. Here is the interview with Jeff Mazierick. Hello, Jeff. Welcome back. Because my first question to you is, who is Jeff Mazierick today? Or you can answer my follow-up question. What have you learned about yourself since we spoke. As I may have indicated to you in an earlier conversation, each day brings us a new opportunity to evolve into who we are becoming because although life does seem at times that it's 
the same thing day in, day out. Everything is in constant movement. I would say that since we spoke in May that I've had several opportunities to put into practice things that I uh, have learned about behavior and processing things from a spiritual perspective. And most of the times I would have succeeded and other times I, I would have to say that I did not. <laughs> so then you just try again tomorrow when you run into, run into those situations where you have, as I don't know if you know the teachings of Abraham, but the step one moments where the contrast is quite strong and things are going against your plan or your comfort zone. And then you, you have to deal with something outside of that and you get an opportunity to either provide resistant thought or just go, well, I'm going to look at this a different way. <laughs> so in any event, I've, I've been evolving as you have and everyone else who may be listening to this at some point on each day um, that we live, that we get to live, which of course is a gift that so few people really acknowledge every day, I think. So true. What is something about you that you are aware of and conscious of that has not changed? I think that as uh, from the time I was little to the time I am today, one very significant context concept there, one, one element uh, that hasn't really shifted very much is that I've always been more of a soft, uh, energetic, soft energy male than a than a strong, dominant, slam the hand down, macho image type guy. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've did things like played sports and, and watched sports and acted like a buffoon watching them. Um, but when it came, when it comes to have I always been an emotional kind of soft energy guy. Yeah. I mean, I, and that hasn't changed. And, you know, a witness of that to, to this day is if, if my wife, Andrea and I go to a film and there's a part that's very emotional, I will be the one to get tears in my eyes before my wife does, to tell you the truth. So that, that hasn't changed. I mean, we were watching Love Actually the other night, which is an annual Christmas movie. And at the very end, the Beach Boys song calls God Only Knows What I'd Be Without You plays. And, and sure enough, you know, it's like clockwork there. Jeff goes again with tears streaming down his face. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's been a constant for as long as I can remember. Call it, you know, 59, 60 years, I would guess. That's interesting. Not to say that um, some of those macho men are not as sensitive as you are. So what motivates you to be a good person, to do good in the world? You know, you always ask really cool questions. I don't know that I can give you an answer to that. I mean, it's, it's an instinctive, intuitive kind of thing. And am I always doing good 100% of the time? No, is my intention there? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's just a basic kind of awareness that I've developed over the years of, of the human condition in the sense that, you know, from the old Plato quote, you know, be kind for everyone is fighting a hard battle. The Everyone is going through it. I mean, we're, we're given this parenthesis in eternity to live. And it comes with no instruction manual. And we don't, we, we come in and then we don't know when the parentheses gets added. So it's it's really kind of a we're all in this together kind of thing, which is not to suggest that I'm just a pure wash of love as I look out at humanity, because I have my judgments that I struggle with at times. But I, th I think that 
it's kind of an instinctive thing. And I do think there's also a part of it that has to do with one's socialization. It, it may, it, yeah, there's instinctive nature of being a human being that is love and, you know, at its core level, uh, fine. But then how did you grow up? What difficulties may you have faced? What were your parents like? And in, in my case, my mother was really, really compassionate. Lorraine was kind, always looking to do good. And I think that, that some of that just spilled over to me, and a lot of it, actually. What a great influence to have. What is the world's greatest need, in your opinion? The world's greatest need? Oh, I think it would come, comes to mind immediately as the work of Anthony DeMello, not that everyone should read his work, the late Catholic priest who died in 1987, whose work I just love. But DeMello's concept that awareness is at the basis of everything, awareness, not simply rote behavior, not being an automaton, not being easily manipulated, but awareness to ask questions about everything, not necessarily verbally and you know out loud, but within the within your own mind when you're looking out at the world to ask questions. Is that you know what's the motivation there? Um, look deeper than the surface. I mean, I think if people around the world were trained to be more aware and to ask poignant questions in their mind and also you know, out, outwardly to the world, it, it would be a better place. People are just too easily programmed and manipulated and, and stay in their patterns. And they don't take that discernment. They don't get to discernment of saying, what, does that even make sense? Why would someone do that? Why would somebody, for example, a harsh example, but why would somebody go blow themselves up or something like that instead of just saying, oh, they're just a uh, you know, evil, rotten human being who hates other human beings? How did that person get to that point? awareness. Awareness is asking the tough questions. And as we discussed in our last conversation, I mean, it's challenging in a world when you're being pulled so many directions uh, and everybody's on their own little hamster wheel who's not independently wealthy, for example, and maybe they are too because they don't want to hold on to it. But it's difficult. There's so many pressing things, particularly in this society and all of the media that keeps hitting you all day long. It's difficult to have that discernment. It's easy to get into the into the behavior of saying, well, this is the way it is and, and, and you don't look deeper. But that's not a solution to the world's problems, not that they can all be solved instantly. But I do think, and I want to, I want to just interject this. And, and the quote from Joseph Campbell, one of my favorites is the world's a mess. It's always been a mess. Our job is to straighten out our own lives. And as we do that, we, you know, you've heard this before, because you're very knowledgeable about this kind of content. As we do that, then we affect our little garden and that garden borders somebody else's garden and so on and so forth. We do this by example. When I hear awareness, I think about self-knowledge, because this is really where everything's happening. And my mind, my perceptions of the world it's not really much out there, but here, out there, it's actually very simple. Um, all the laws of, of the out there in the world, they're very logical and simple. But I think the mind here complicates things. Not this mind at this moment, but other times before. And I think that's what happens with most people. They're just not aware of their own mental processes, of their own thoughts, how thoughts affect them. 
And that brings me to a um, topic that I'm exploring these days. Uh, what is self-love to you? I think it's multiple things. I mean, at the core level, it's a deep appreciation for life itself is at the core because when you appreciate the heartbeat itself, that the opportunity to be here, that, you know, and Wayne Dyer's used this example in the late Wayne Dyer. I've heard him read it. He said it. I've seen him live. But this concept of... Of of the 10 million cells that are however many go out to fertilize an egg, whatever, that the one that got there is you. And so when you think about it in that context, you're a miracle. You were meant to be here. There was no accident. Whoever beats your heart and digests your food and keeps you healthy, whatever, must love you deeply. So why would you not do the same? Now, we could go often a tangent and explain all the reasons why. But when you look for why you would love yourself, it's like because every day you wake up, it's a miracle that you're still alive. And, and yes, even with all the societal influence of if you got this fat here or you're not big enough here or you won't blah, 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 you know, the, real, the reality is, is everybody is so unique and and there can in a world in a universe where all the planets hang together in perfect balance don't bang into each other the sun doesn't cook everything it does everything's at the right you know whatever everything is perfect really and so when you when you look at that you say well so okay god is perfection or you know spirit and then god made a mistake because he made my nose too big it's like or he or she or or it Come on, man. You know, I mean, the self-love, the core of it is the is the gratitude for life itself. And, and again, to repeat that you're not some errant accident. I mean, there was purpose in your creation and there's purpose in your life. And some people take that to the purpose of a, some high super purpose that overarching going to affect the world. But maybe it's Maybe it's smaller than that. Often it is. It's it's what little corner do you influence that affects the whole in a positive way. Mm, so true. Do you connect um, self-love to self-acceptance? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Particularly more in the last several years, yeah. But with still an effort to make changes that I still feel like I want to make. Um, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, um, I think it doesn't exclude that, right? There's space for change. From my experience, the most amazing change that I have made in, in myself, in my life improvements, came from that understanding, that, that place of self-acceptance. Once I accepted whatever I was uh, fighting and rejecting in me, then everything opened up and it felt so much bigger and everything was possible. Uh, and it has been this way for quite some time. So it's amazing how acceptance can create that space for change. Uh, in my last warm-up question, what do you think is the purpose and meaning of your life? You know, it's interesting. This summer, when we were, I've told you before, we go to Greece. To, or my in-laws have a house there for almost 40 years. And so we, we spend some time there every summer. And we have, we have good friends there. Our crew, let's call them our crew. 
and a couple of our crew are deep thinkers like you and me. And so, you know, that conversation came up this summer a little bit. I mean, I think that in the end, because we were talking uh, this summer about exactly that. It's like, so what's the purpose? And I think it's to create and to explore and, and experience. You know, I mean, the idea that you're going to build a corporation and then employ a thousand people or 10, I mean, okay, fine. That's, that's all part of, of, of one's, per, each person's purpose is unique. But in the end, I think it's just experience and enjoying and, and being grateful. And it's challenging though. I mean, it's easy for us in a third, in a, in a first world country to talk about these things. There are people, and I think I might even said on the last call that, I mean, okay, you're, you're in a place where you're trying to eat every day and survive. It, it's always easier to be aware and to be growing and experiencing when you're experiencing things you really enjoy. But, but even in this culture and even in this first world that we live in, each day presents those challenges, right? So... You know, we just, our purpose is to not just get through it, but to grow through it and, and see more clearly the gift, the gift, the gift every day. I mean, God, you know, because one day, recently a dear, dear friend of ours in England passed away suddenly and it's like, oh my God, you know, this is the stuff that slaps you upside the head and it doesn't, you don't want it to happen a lot, but it, it makes you just, you know, take that breath and go, wow, you know, this is pretty cool. I'm looking out my back window and watching squirrels playing. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, man. You know, <laughs> this, this is life. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it's just an amazing thing. And even when we have those challenges, we have to get to that core thing of our purposes to explore and evolve and expand and and see how we can become better while still at the same time accepting ourselves for who we are in that moment, right? Mm, I was about to say that, yeah. Not just trying to become better because then you're not going to enjoy anyway if you are judging, right? Right, constantly on that thing. And then you never get anywhere. You're just constantly looking outside for something to change to be better. Got it. Yeah, it's like waiting to be happy. Uh, that doesn't make sense. So let's talk about healing. Uh, what is healing to you? It's allowing. It's allowing the energy that is that creates worlds to continue to do what it does without us stopping it. In a sense, I mean, I think that most of the time, and and I want to clarify here, and, and I'm sure you won't mind me doing this, that you know, neither of us are licensed medical people or anything like that. I mean, I mean, this is just people sharing opinions about life experience in a particular topic area. Um, I, I think that most of the time healing doesn't happen because at a deep level, it's not being allowed. Because when you look at what the body does on its own, uh, and, and we, we can assist it, I mean, we can get into that. But, but the point is, is it's just, a, that's how many times I have to say, it, it's just a miracle what it does every day. I mean, to protect us and everything else. But I think that our, our emotions, our judgments, our thoughts, for sure, impede that allowing to take place, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. So now that's one of my questions. Later questions about the mind, the power of the mind and thoughts. Um, do you think that there is such a thing as to be healed? Yeah, what is like to be healed? 
Well, I wonder, I, yeah, from, from what, you mean talking about of a specific thing or? In this community of health, wellness, well-being, we talk a lot about healing. I never hear the word healed. You know, I'm healed. I'm good. This is it. In every way, I don't hear that from body, mind, and spirit. I hear a lot the word healing. We are constantly healing. I think you mentioned before, we are growing, we are experiencing, discovering. Yesterday, I think I heard discovery, like every day, this constant change. And then maybe that's why I asked you that question about what has not changed in you that you're aware of. And that maybe that is the place that we should be most of the time, that place that's already there, healed, complete, and perfect as it is. I think that you can use uh, practical examples of people who went into uh, to, to get care, and let's say whether it's conventional or non-conventional, and then they healed uh, allegedly. Because the symptom, because the symptoms gone, I, I'm kind of of the mindset though that you you can clip, you can repair the branch, but what if the root is doing something else? So if there's something within the body that's manifested, what if there's an emotional component to it that is the root of the problem? so that it maintains its position and it can be treated and then it appears to be healed, but then it comes back. That always suggests to me that, kind of tying into what you're saying, that is there a healed if you don't get to the root? And there are examples of people who who have something and then never have it again. Maybe they got to the, not, not maybe, they Apparently they got to the root, or this could all be, you know, somebody's opinion. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I do agree with you though that it seems to be like it's a constant process rather than an end result. The healing that I was referring to was spiritual healing. Whatever the spirit is, is perfect. It's already healed. It's already there. But our conversation today will be mainly about physical and emotional, psychological healing for those parts of of us we constantly need healing uh, i would say so but that's another question that i have for you do you need healing these days like physical psychological emotional healing do i personally yeah yeah um oh sure yeah uh, there there's always i mean and here, I don't know, this this idea, I've said it before, there is no world, it's a mass hallucination. Everybody's just programmed, so. <laughs> I love, it's funny when you say that, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, when you, it's from the Course in Miracles, you know, there is no world, it's a mass hallucination. Everybody projects their programming out to the world and things bounce off of it. And so, you know, are there things physically that I have dealt with in the past that I continue to deal with that someone could define as chronic? Uh, yeah. Are they critical, life-threatening? No. Um, would it be nice if they weren't there? Yes. Have I made attempts to resolve them? Uh, yes. And you just keep living. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, emotionally, I'm, I'm cool. Mentally, I'm good. Physically, eh. You know, like these little things, and um, I just do my best to to deal with it and be grateful that I'm not that I haven't created something far worse. You know. 
Yeah, uh, so true. I, I guess I asked uh, the question because I rarely get sick. My next question is about your um, personal experience with alternative and natural healing. Do you have any experience that you can share with us today? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I mean, a couple examples. Uh, well, first of all, at a high level, I think that, you know, this is going to sound, I don't know, whatever. It's going to sound whatever I'm just about to say. Um, <laughs> I like that. Just like you, right, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. I mean, I don't, I don't prep for these conversations. So, I mean, I'm really a big uh, proponent and believer of things, you know, for physical healing that go all the way back to, and, and I know, that, and I know from reading some of your uh, content that you are the same way. That that old Hippocrates thing, you know, let food be thy medicine, uh, in the sense that somehow in our culture, and I won't go into this at length, as I'll go to a couple examples of what, what you asked me about, but we get this idea that. You can put anything in the vehicle and then the vehicle just take care of it and and we don't have to be cognizant or aware of what components are in the food. And so people don't seem to be able to connect up uh, certain diseases with eating foods that are really not charged with life force uh, that are made quickly in mass uh, from animals that are treated poorly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if it sounds like a cliche, the reality is the reality. You cannot be a healthy person if you don't eat healthy food, because if you don't eat, you die. And if you eat bad food, you can get sick. And you know, this is our culture is filled with people who make those poor choices. Now, in defense of some of them, they don't have any money to buy really healthy food. So, you know, it's a complex situation. Um, but I do really feel that nutrition, even though you often you would go to a doctor in today's conventional world and they, they wouldn't even ask about what you eat, they would, you know, what are your symptoms? What can we do to medicate it? Um, but I just think that's really vital. As, and it's not just some myth. It's true. What you put in is what you become. So um, with that said, go, I'm sorry, go ahead. Common sense. It's common sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, with that said, I mean, my experiences and, and this could be a long conversation, which we're not going to have. I've had the blessing and the gift of being connected with certain people in this lifetime, particularly after I got to be about, I'd say, uh, early 30s. So 30 years ago, um, who would had an alternative uh awareness of different ways to treat things and to get healing uh, effort accomplished, whatever. And so one of them was uh, a person that did what's called energy healing. And her name was Lisa Jacobson. And she really helped me. I'm not going to get into exceptional detail. She really helped me with energy healing sessions really to release emotions that were underlying uh, physical symptoms, which if you look at the works of Louise Hay, uh, and there's a woman called Carol K. Truman, uh, who wrote a book, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it has to do, and then another, uh, and then another author named, um, oh, I can't remember her name either, sorry. Um, these were books where, let's go to Hay. Hay is the whole concept that where you, what, what experiences you have can get stored in your body through stress, if you will. 
and that based upon whatever type of illness you have, there's certain kind of uh, emotional and thought patterns that may be underlying it. Now, some might disagree with that, but I, I do think there's a lot to that. So Lisa, Lisa helped me with releasing some things where in the session, I mean, literally was very, very powerful. I mean, my body was shaking and moving and coughing and crying, and I wasn't doing anything to tell it to do any of those things. And this was maybe 20, you know, 20 years ago, maybe, maybe 18, 19, 20 years ago. It's just amazing. Um, and then I've, I've had over the years, I had really tremendous success with things that would come up with my body with a, a, an acupuncturist named John. John Honey was his name. And this is non-conventional kind of to say the least i mean people know it exists acupuncture is you know in the mainstream in a sense now but it's still not really respected in my view um but i would go to john with things that i mean like i literally got out of uh, the shower one day and I, my lower back was in such pain this is like maybe 2002 or something and i didn't know i i could hardly walk and I called his office. He said, well, come on out. So I drove out there in pain, 25 miles. And after one session, I would say that the pain was 80% gone. After two sessions, 95. And after the third, it was gone. And I never had it and still have not had it again. So these are the things that, and okay, so if you had gone to someone else, not, I don't know what, you know, orthopedic something, whatever, you know, and not saying this is everybody would have the same experience. But in this particular case, it was a case where he was able to resolve the issue with the assistance of the life force and I never came back again, you know. That's incredible. Yeah, uh, it makes sense. Yeah. And the other, the other two books, because I don't want to be, was Feelings Buried Alive Never Die by Carol K. Truman and The Secret Language of Your Body by a woman named Inna Seagal. Um, those are the, the two books in addition to Louise Hay work that I really have found to be helpful. That's great. Thank you for sharing yeah, these, um, these methods, these readings, because uh, I know how helpful they are. Um, you mentioned a diet. What is your diet like these days? It's generally healthy. I would say like 90 percentile healthy by my definition. I think it's important in answering that question that one of you, one of the things that you see so common, I mean, it's just everywhere all the time is the keto, not just keto, keto, uh, name all the different things. Okay, if you just eat this way, you'll be okay. You will be healthy. And, and I remember a, a while back, a gentleman I know who does cranial sacral therapy, Anthony McGrath, a really, really gifted healer. He and his wife, Mary, she does the same kind of work. Um, they were just saying that each person's physical hardware is just so unique and different that it really comes down to it's very difficult to say if you just eat this, everybody's going to be healthy because each body seems to have, not seems, it does. They do have um, unique aspects to them. So in my case, 
I'm, and again, I'm not promoting this as uh, this would be good for everybody else. But for me personally, in 1986, I read a book called Fit for Life by, I think it was Harry and Marilyn Diamond. And, and what I got out of that book was, well, they talked about proper food combining and I took to some of that. But what more importantly I took to was high concentrations of water, high water content food. So uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, right? Not cooked to bits vegetables and not necessarily raw vegetables, but just high concentrations of these kind of, uh, you know, foods. And, and one of the things they said, you know, fruit only in the morning. Okay, most people now in a lot of science will dismiss that. I'm not proposing it for anybody else. Again, for me, I have done that for 30 some years and... I think that in a lot like, a, you know, the vegetable side too, uh, I've done that as a practice. I do not eat anything but fruit in the morning for, you know, just a few, a few portions of that. And then every time we make a meal here, uh, it always has either salad, you know, kale, whatever, you name it, uh, fresh vegetables we cooked last night, organics, usually 90% of the time. And so we stick with that. And it has worked very well for me personally. I can't imagine going, and I don't want to, let's just fill in the name of the fast food restaurant. I will not denigrate them by name fill in X, Y, or Z. I don't go there. Haven't been to any of them for at least 20 years. And I just won't. And I also, we don't go out to dinner very often because we don't know what's in the food. Now, now it's not paranoia. It's just practical. It's like we go to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or whatever, and we buy our food. We, we read the labels and then we prepare accordingly from there, right? Mm. Yeah, that makes sense to me, right? Uh, you didn't mention meats, animal products. Are you a vegetarian? I don't like labels. Um, it's my first response. I would say that I will say no to that question, but we dabbled with that, and more than dabbled with it in the mid-90s for a couple of years and just felt drawn uh, more towards the animal side, but not in a huge way. Um, I don't personally eat any uh, beef, for example. I don't eat pork. Um, we have, And I definitely always only buy organic because of the concern with quality of factory farmed food. Um, I don't do a lot of fish because I don't like it. Oh, you don't like fish. No, and I don't do any shellfish because I really don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, salmon's great for us, isn't it? A wild salmon. Yeah, let's put that qualifier on there. Um, yeah, I, I, I have been getting... I buy a product that's uh, quite pricey. That's uh, fermented cod liver oil that gets the you know the omega three stuff taken care of, uh, and it's not the most tasty thing to have. But that's it. But I'm not I'm not just not a big fish person. But um, yeah, but that has worked for me. And 
um, try to avoid the processed. I mean, this is stuff that you, you know, you've written about and, t- and taught yourself. I mean, processed food, if you look at the box and you read the label, even organic varieties, if you read it and it has multisyllabic words that you would say your liver would go, what? What? You know, you just got to have awareness and say, nah, you know, and it's, it's people say, do you have that much discipline? It's like, well, yeah, when it comes to that, if, if, if it's my body and my health at stake, yeah, then I'm not going to eat that because that's just not something my body wants. And I don't have any problem. This is just maybe it's my Virgo, I don't know, detail freak thing, but I, I don't have any problems for example, I don't have any problem taking something that doesn't taste good if it's good for me. And I have no problem not eating something that's really tasty if it's bad for me. Right. Mm, that's an unintelligent way of living. I go a lot by things that make sense. It's pretty obvious the consequence of doing certain things over others. So, um, yeah, it's easy to make that choice, right? For me, in my case, and it seems like in your case too. So I'm wondering why for so many people it's it's different. Why do they think differently? Is the case with um, alternative and, and natural healing? Why do so many people choose conventional medicine over natural healing? Uh, it's faster, depending upon the circumstance and the situation. Uh, if you have a pain uh, and they give you a narcotic uh, or you know an opioid, obviously the pain becomes less faster. Uh, you can't be that other person to know how much pain that is. So it's not any judgment that I'm making. It's just, it's just faster. And it, and, and essentially, essentially most pharma medicines from what I've read are petroleum based. They're crafted to convince the body not to do something or to do something it's not norm, it's not doing. Uh, to try, and so in effect, it's constantly trying to trick the body into a, a behavior or an activity that it wouldn't be doing. Maybe it's something life-threatening. You got to convince the body to make more of something. There are places for, there's a place for all of these kind of treatments, even, you know, the conventional ones as well, or they wouldn't exist. I personally feel the conventional, you can't go to your acupuncturist to have your broken leg healed, right? I mean, you know, that's an acute problem that needs to get resolved. But many, many, many other things that are chronic in nature, you can go to alternative care, acupuncture, and cranial sacral therapy. We use a call holistic chiropractor, and we use supplements from Standard Process, for example. I'm not plugging it; it just so happens to be the brand name. And and we've had you know really good, really good health for a long time. And and I also, but there's one other, there's so many other caveats. How happy is your life? How unhappy are you? How much energy do you run that's negative? Because then that's really your body under duress. And, you know, if you have a happy relationship and a happy life at home, like we do here, that that helps to make you healthy. I would say so. And that leads to my next question. Talk to me about the power of thought, maybe the power of uh, healthy environments and relationships and how we can consciously create our own physical and emotional dysfunctions. People can say that, and I've heard it in the critique side of things that, you know, what do you mean when I think about expands? It's like, well, 
if you focus on anything too much, you, you build matter. Basically, how does a bridge get built? Somebody, somebody has a draw as an idea for it. Then somebody draws it. Then somebody really gets to the meat of the detail of taking that drawing and turning it into physical form. In the end, that started as a thought. So when you consider that we think all day long, what are we thinking about? I mean, if if we're okay, so here's an example with 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 you know. I don't want to say any names involved, but if someone is constantly watching, uh, I will name a name, CNN or Fox News or whatever, you know, MSNBC, any of the divisive kind of stuff, the separation stuff, and that is a bunch of fear and vitriol being poured out and you're watching it all the time. I literally, and I can't prove it, but I literally believe it becomes part of yourselves after a while. And as you raise your angst, as you raise your angst about it, or you run a lot of fear about it, that fear turns into cortisol or whatever, you know, adrenaline, which then breaks down, I believe, into cortisol. And then you get that fight or flight and it's constant almost, right? Yeah, I mean, it, literally, if you're, if you're always exposing yourself to that, if you're always wondering what's around the next corner, I think in The Course of Miracles, there's a quote that says, your misery is a strange testament to your power. It's like meaning, meaning if you're focusing on the unhappiness and what's gonna, what could make you unhappy, what you know, could make you sick, whatever, ah, you know, the mind, the mind makes that bridge. The mind can make a lot of things inside the body. I think that's my feeling anyway. So how do people get away from that? It's like we go back to step one in our first conversation, you know, and well, in our first question today about, you know, or nearly first question, you know, awareness. Don't, ex you know, people say, don't put your head in the sand. It's like, well, yeah, I'm going to put it in the sand instead of looking at something that makes me angry. I mean, why don't you run that much adrenaline and, and, you know, anger energy. It's like, if you can't change it, if you, you got to accept it. And if you can't change it and you accept it, then don't pay attention to it anymore. You know, don't run energy towards it. I mean, it's hard when somebody has a physical symptom, though, and I'm guilty of it. Everybody else is. When something isn't right, then you you pay attention to it. And that's just human nature. What you have to make best efforts to do, I think, is to do less and less of that. I mean, I remember reading a book called The, you know, Council, the Council of Light by Danielle, uh, I forget her last name. She brings up a point in the book about how our bodies are like these miracles, right? We talked about that. And they're doing 95% of the time, they're doing everything perfectly. And then what do we look at? We look at the five. Oh, good. You know, my toe's sore. And then we think about our toe being sore the whole time. And we're, not, we're, looking at, we're looking at the five instead of the 95, right? It's just so common. And I'm not saying I'm immune from, uh, it's, it's Danielle Rama Hoffman. I knew it would pop into my head. Uh, the Council of Light, love that book. I feel like we all would be best to have some compassion though for people who are, of course, having physical problems and recognize that as a rule, there is something going on in the society called advertising that's supposed to convince you that you have something or that you might. Just, you know, just if you don't mute your TV or watch without commercials, you cannot get away from, you know, in an hour, there might be 10 pharma ads on TV trying to plant seeds that you might be sick. So why 
pay attention to that. Again, the, the, counter, the counter will be, oh, but if you're not aware of it, you could wind up dying from it. It's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. Think about it. Back in the 90s and before it happened, you would never see an ad for anything pharma, but then they allowed that to start. And then from that point forward, the mind is a powerful thing. So you're constantly being bombarded with all of the stuff that could be wrong with you. And then you take ownership. Well, I have this. And maybe you do, but do you really want to say that out loud when words make flesh? I mean, you know, acknowledge, get the information, get the treatment, but don't own it because as soon as you start saying, you know, I am a this, then you are that and you'll, you know, you'll stay exactly where you are, stuck. <laughs> that is so true. That, that made me think about a situation where I was um, talking to somebody probably talked to more than one person about this and received the same uh, response. I don't watch TV and I have lived and when I was living alone without a television. I remember somebody talked to, he said to me, that doesn't make sense. Everybody owns a TV. Everyone watches TV. So you're a very strange person. And I remember feeling sort of strange. So I guess it goes back to what you said about programming. We are just the people who choose to live this life that it's um, in touch with themselves, with their own bodies and minds. Those people are seen as different, as strange. But I guess it's like the opposite, isn't it? Everybody just does the best, as you know, to, to do, to live life they can every day with whatever awareness they have. I mean, it's I, it's, I have a a relative who is absolutely passionate about educating the world about food and health and, and, and pharmaceuticals and the dangers and vaccinations and stuff like that. And he is so passionate about it. And I honor him for that, for that passion that he does have. And he'll call and we'll talk about it. And, and, and I'll just say to him, in the end, the only thing you can control here is yourself. So, you can share information, but the world's going to be what the world's going to be. And that goes back to your acceptance thing, not only of yourself, but, you know, and the Joseph Campbell comment earlier I made or the statement, you know, the world's a mess. It's always been a mess. It doesn't mean you're not compassionate that you don't want to see a better world. It just means that in the end, what is it that's within your purvey? You know, what can you do? Control. You know, you can take care of yourself and you can be the example. You can be the person that someone says, wow, Valeria, you know, you're X years number, you know, you're this year's old and, and this many years old. And look at you, you look just so really fit. And how, how do you do that? That's really cool. You know, it's like, well, but take the ego aside of it. It's just, that's then how you, op that's how the door opens to you sharing your story. And in your little world, you connect with that concentric circle and that person gets affected in a positive way. That's the way it happens, regardless of the, the social media and, and the, the so-called social media influence over mankind or whatever. In the end, it's one-to-one, man-to-man, woman-to-woman, woman-to-man, woman -to -man, you know, whatever. I mean, it's the connections we make. It's how we live our lives as examples. Um, the TV thing for me, I like to watch sports. And my, my objective, these not my objective, my challenge these days is to watch them unemotionally. And most of the times I'm okay with that. Um, sometimes I'm not. Um, I like to watch old TV shows that are 
uh, that have some like value to me, like Route 66 from the early 60s, which actually had wonderful scripts. So I'm defending my TV watching a little bit here. <laughs> you are. Absolutely. I see that. But I don't, but I only watch it late at night after I'm done working because I tend to work at night and, uh, and I don't, and I don't ever turn on the news channels ever, ever, ever do that. Okay. So talk to me about magnet therapy. What do you know about magnet therapy? Uh, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, I, I think I have, you know, the website is blog.spiritsimple.com and you could learn, learn about it more there. Right? We don't have enough time to really get too deep into it. I discovered it maybe like 2007 or something like that. Um, and to try and cut to the quick. I mean, basically, there's two sides to the magnet. Some say positive, some say negative, some say north pole, some say south pole, some say south facing, some say north facing. What I've learned is that the south facing pole of the magnet, and on the blog, I have the links so that you could learn about this, has a relieving uh, nature to it. It withdraws energy. Uh, so, for example, if you have an infection or inflammation in a certain body part, and let's you know preclude any of the what emotion might be causing it if that happened or something, but let's just say you cut yourself or something like that, that if you put the south-facing pole of the MAGA and just tape it onto your body for a while, you, you, know, you can see a benefit from it. I can give you an example. This summer I was in Greece and I cut myself pretty bad and I... Um, I put the, the natural uh, whatever I had, you know, bandaged it, and then I put on top of that. I put the south-facing pole of a magnet I brought with me, and these are not these are not your dime store magnets that's that on the fridge. These these are neodymium, I think is might I might have the pronunciation wrong, but they're very strong. And so uh, the next morning, uh, I had like no inflammation. The healing was not instantaneous, like sewn up already. But the, the improvement was dramatic, okay, overnight. Now, you're not necessarily supposed to wear the thing overnight, but I'm, I'm a devil-may-care guy sometimes, so I just said, <laughs> the heck? Experiment. Um, yeah. And so then the other, the north face is supposed to be like, okay, if there's no inflammation or whatever, but a body part needs strengthening, then you would position that over that part. And again, the article that I have linked to on the page, We'll explain it more, but I've, I've used it. I still use it. I mean, on anytime I have any kind of, uh, you know, like minor thing like that, I mean, there are certain precautions that in the, the material that I link to on there that, you know, people should read and understand it in detail, but I just think it's another tool in the toolbox. And I'm going to interject something that's related because magnet is an earth related kind of, you know, field, whatever is I'm a, I don't know that I even wrote about it on my blog ever, but I'm a big proponent of this concept, which I'm sure you've heard of earthing, you know, where, you know, you have your feet on the ground because the earth is constantly emitting negative ions because of lightning strikes around the planet and the negative ions enter your feet, go into your body and they counterbalance the positive ions that result from free radicals. So it, it had turns, you know, if you go to earthing.com, you can learn more about it. And no, I don't get any money for that. But I mean, I just really have found benefit. For example, uh, we actually sleep on a grounded uh, pad. 
and uh, grounded down to the ground beneath uh, our bedroom in the, in the ground. I mean, it's not like in an electrical outlet uh, in the in the you know the neutral part or whatever the grounded thing. It's it's down into the ground. And I swear to God, I will do yard work at my age, and I will come in like a decrepit old man, and then I go to sleep that night. I wake up in the morning. I'm fine. No problem. No, no, you know, and when I do weightlifting or I do push up regimen, I do, you know, healthy things, whatever, physical exercise, I sleep grounded. The amount of pain from the weightlifting, you're always going to get some soreness the second day, usually, if you're pushing. Um, but my healing times, I swear to God, this is my experience from the, uh, the grounding, which, you know, ties into the magnetics of, I think, of the earth, um, has been evident to me for since 2012 when we first bought the grounded stuff i really you know i have have a mat under my desk right now i'm talking to you there's a grounded mat and then i and then at night we sleep on the mat on the the grounded sheet or actually it's a pad now it used to be a sheet but i bought a new product and um swear by it and you know the earth think about it people were sleeping on the earth until you know until there were houses, right? And then things were made of wood, which is actually conductive in some sense to it. It's it's uh, like blacktop doesn't conduct. So you don't walk down a blacktop street, for example, and get any healing benefit. Um, but the earth is the earth is our mother, man, you know? I mean, it's it's constantly doing its thing to clear up the stuff we do to it. And it also is there to help heal us if we're open up, open ourselves up to that possibility and that opportunity rather right it makes so much sense to me yeah everything that you have talked about healing the connection between healing uh, health well-being and all these uh, methods and speaking of methods what is the connection between healing and um, affirmations yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because recently I've uh, gone back and listened to some material from the teachings of Abraham about affirmations, and I, that's it's difficult to answer that. I mean, I, I think that it's challenging if, if you have a symptom that's dominant in your consciousness and you sit there and say, I am healthy, I am this, I am, and yet you still have the pain throbbing in your foot, then I don't think the affirmation is going to do anything. Um, I think in, in, a, in that teachings of Abraham stuff, I've really been into that more lately, this, this idea that you have to get on the right end of the stick because what you uh, uh, the opposite of what you want is is obviously on the other end of the stick so if you're if you're paying attention to what you don't have then no matter how much you want what's on the other end of the stick you're not going to get it right so i mean i think there's 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 a it's a challenging road to hoe it just depends how pure the energy is how much are you connected to to your inner being to your source before you're saying these things because the subconscious you know, is saying, oh, wait a minute, I don't, I don't feel like that. So I don't know that I have an easy answer to that one. It really, it really comes down in the purity, that connection. I mean, what end of the stick are you going after? If it's what you don't want, you're just going to make it more of it, right? Right. Have you tried affirmations before? <laughs> yeah, I have. I mean, I think that I've been on the wrong end of the stick too many times. You know, looking at what I don't want and wanting to get rid of instead of focusing on what it is that I intend to have or create or allow. And so I'm, you know, jail me for that. I mean, I certainly have been on the wrong end of the stick for that, but it doesn't mean I don't keep making efforts, right? Right. Don't we all? Exactly. 
What about the connection between healing and gratitude? I think there's an obvious connection there that when you're in that mindset, you can't help but raise your vibration. This concept that um, you know, most everybody in the metaphysical world, you know, what is your vibration? It's you know, it's like how how are you vibrating? It's like well, joy is is the high level vibration, right? So if you're constantly muttering and complaining and discussing the drama and everything that's not going well, um, you know, you're not going to get very far with things. That's that's the first thing that comes to mind. Remind me again, uh, because I got off on that tangent, the question. <laughs> yeah, gratitude, the connection between gratitude and healing. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, because gratitude is a, is a high vibration thing. It's it, it's that inner smile, if you will. I mean, for, exa- for example, I can sit here like you can or anybody else that may happen to listen to this and think about something that really... It doesn't even have to be a thing or it can just be a past experience. It can be something that you enjoy just tremendously, right? So I can think about sitting on our uh, on the terrace we have in Greece and looking out at the Aegean Sea about a mile down the road and, and just being filled with gratitude. And you just can't help but get an inner smile because you can feel it. And so I think when you're grateful definitely it raises vibration and as vibration raises then dysfunction that is associated with lower vibration uh, would tend to melt away now that doesn't mean you have instant healing but certainly the more you get in a grateful place instead of the opposite of the stick which is complaining about what is you're going to be vibrating higher you're going to be more in the joy profile than you are and certainly on the other end do you connect transcendence, spirituality to healing? I think so. I mean, in the sense that I really, everybody, again, this is my, uh, the Course of Miracles also says that everyone's curriculum is their own. Uh, I, have, I have hallucinated my own world, just like you have yours. And, 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 we, and we have, I've used this example before, we have this, these Venn diagrams where we intersect circles and we have some commonality. But I have created my own my own life, so yeah. What about love? Do you believe in the power of love when it comes to healing? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, because you you know this is where you've been really diving the last few months. Is you know it's at the core of everything anyway. The more that that the purity of that energy, and we're not talking about romantic love here, you know, some man-made thing. We're talking about the love of the force that does every, does all, is all, right? I mean, so yeah, I mean, when you're in that energy, that's the energy that facilitates the healing, right? Yeah, that was my original question. What kind of love has the power to heal? Would you say unconditional love? Right, which I find it interesting, that term, because um, I think that for human beings who say that, I, I think it's a nice euphemism, but I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't think it, I, you know, unconditional means unconditional. That means, you know, I mean, I think that, and that, that love is really either the kind of Buddha-esque, Jesus, you know, these kind of spiritual uh, and energies, God force, as Stuart Wilde, the author, used to call it, because human beings are still, you know, human beings. They might be 
God manifest in physical form to experience and create and evolve, and at the same time, unconditional. I mean, that means that you would still love and treat no different the person who, let's say, you were married and found out that your partner had you know, had affairs with 10 other people. And it's like, well, I unconditionally love him or her. Really? I find that hard to believe that someone could do that. But I think the the love you're talking about that heals isn't the, the human defined love necessary by any means. I think it's that essence, that heartbeat, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, you don't think or believe that humans are capable of loving unconditionally? Yeah, and if you want me to be honest, no, I don't. I, I, I don't, not from my life experience, um, but that, that, that's from what I've seen. Um, you know, there's the idea of the mother's love, uh, okay, you know, fam, parent, father, mother. I, but when it comes to human relationships, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I've not seen that. You know, I mean, I, I couldn't just go off and do all kinds of stuff and and my life, my wife would unconditionally love me. I, I think that that's inappropriate to expect her to actually. So do you think or believe that you can unconditionally love yourself? Now, that's a different story because I think that now you're not dealing with uh, another person who can who may conduct their behavior in certain ways that would not necessarily a want <laughs> make you feel all that loving. I, I think when it comes to yourself, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not very few of us, I think, do it because we've been programmed to look at ourselves with such disdain when we don't meet certain standards that somebody else set up for us. But I think, yeah, that's possible. I mean, that's probably, you know, a, a good a good goal. A, a good objective, a, a good desire, whatever, however you want to say it. Oh, yeah. Ideal, right? Of love. And I believe we are capable of doing that, of loving ourselves unconditionally. And from that, we can love other people. If you don't love yourself unconditionally, you cannot love life or, or anything. Everything will reject you or will feel that way. Uh, or you will reject others. Um, so yeah, I like what you said. This is a good ideal. Right, because if you're projecting your own stuff all the time, then <laughs> the only thing you can modify is your own projection. And and I want to interject something here about that, because I don't know if I, if I said this to you on the last call, but I think it's, it's one of my favorite analogies that I, I think I made up. Um, because I don't think I read it somewhere. I think it just came to me one day that if you know, and, and if this is repetitive, uh, I apologize, uh, but uh, it's a really, it's really powerful to me is to think of it from this perspective. People say, why, why can't I change more easily? What, what is it that keeps me, you know, stuck in this mode of doing these things? And I, then I'm, then I don't like myself when I do this. And I think it's because I, I use the example and I didn't ever write this anywhere, but, I, but this idea that if you, since we live in the computer age for a long time now, if you look at your computer, like I'm look down on mine right now on the ground here, when you turn it on, the first thing you see is a screen that says the name of the manufacturer, so Dell or HP or whatever. And, and then, then after that, you see Windows or Apple or whatever. And uh, the thing is, is when it first turns on, it's using software that's built into it. 
it's using software called the BIOS, Basic Input Output System. And so the BIOS is programmed at the chip level to conduct all of these basic functions and not so basic. All, and so when you consider that and then what happens, it boots and then you can, ah, there's Microsoft Word. Now I know what to do with that. But you have nothing to do with the part that boots up. So then if you look at your life and you say, okay, uh, it's been proven pretty much that from the time a child is born until it's about five years old, its mind is always in the what, what you call theta mode, which is that it can be programmed easily. I mean, basically it believes everything it hears. And so imagine then that you're a child, which we both were, and that some between those ages that all kinds of information hit our our consciousness from the you know from the, in that time frame, and that's your bios. That's the stuff we don't know about. And then so it boots up, and so that's where we get our emotional reactions that are almost instantaneous. Is stuff that's that old or things that hang on in our lives. That's in the bios, and so we. When we get to a certain level of awareness, we say, ah, you know, I'm not happy about this. It doesn't make me happy to do this or behave this way or think this way. So I'm going to use these tools and I'm going to study and I'm going to read books and I'm going to interact with other people who are doing the same thing. And I'm going to overcome these things. And I'm bringing all this up because I think it's important to, to, to recognize that we can do the very best we can do to change ourselves with what we see. And what we don't see is that iceberg underneath called the BIOS that's there. Now, it doesn't mean you get depressed and say, oh, it's over. I'll never be able to change. It's just to be aware. It's that it's the awareness of that piece that says, ah, there I go reacting again. I wonder what it is within me that created the initial movement for that reaction to occur. And that to me is just so vital when you look at other people's behavior and you realize that everybody's been, I've said it to you a number of times, everybody's been programmed. So what are those programs? Maybe we never find out exactly the event that created the this to that, but just the awareness that there's parts of me that are unexplored and I don't even know how to get to them, but they show up in behaviors. And that's then that's our key is to then look at us with look at ourselves with discernment. And it's difficult time often on any day-to-day basis. I mean, I had an experience today where I kind of lost it, you know, briefly about an issue with a computer. And I, the only difference between me of today and me of 25, 30 years ago is that I can kind of observe myself <laughs> acting like an idiot, you know, I mean, but people don't have that awareness. Uh, most people, a lot of people don't. And so I guess I'm leading to a point is, is that we do the best we can to make ourselves better people. And, and we have compassion and we go back to the unconditional love of self, which is, well, no matter what's in the bios that's inside me that I don't know, I'm still who I am. I accept myself and I, you know, I will do better. I will observe. Yeah. You know, I'm, I love what you just said. Yeah. But I just don't like the part that you said, I'll do better. Even if I don't do better, I'll accept and love myself anyway. I think there's a lot of the conditioning that we are talking about, that you talk about programming. A lot of these programs, like you call it, it's run in the background. And that's not really possible to stop them at times, like you just mentioned today. But 
your awareness, the light of your awareness, your unconditional love for yourself can change everything because now you're not going to get stressed out and judgmental and even angry at yourself because now there's understanding. Right. No, I agree. And I, I don't, I don't, I interject back to, you know, better. I'm not in disagreement with you. I mean, it's it, the acceptance is more is is the better energy than say I'm going to do better because then that's a self judgment and that's not unconditional love of self. So I, I, I'm it's not like I stand corrected, but I not, you have educated me. I agree. I mean, I, I think what I'm most pleased about is is that okay. I mean, not most pleased, but pleased about what happened to me today. For example, is that I can. I'm not sitting here today going uh, and mentally beating myself up for what I did. It's just, hey, you know, you just do the best you can, right, with what you know. But you're right. When I call it like that hardwired thing, when something happens that has to have begun at some point, the original mover, if you will, that created the ability to respond or those types of responses so rapid fire, you don't know what that is, but it comes so quickly that the only thing you can do is weather the storm and then and then move on from that point. Self-acceptance, self-love. I did the I did the best I could and you know, we'll see what happens next time. Yes. I like that. Yeah, right. And but to really do that, I guess it's not easy because then it goes back to the other programming of judging ourselves. Practicing that for too many years, that that becomes prog- programming too. So that it's now unpracticing, now trying to do the opposite. Okay, this will happen again, uh, most likely. And and that's fine. That's life. That's life just manifesting as me. It might be the highest uh, form of whatever we call uh, um, spirituality to experience this life in a human body. It's to just accept it all, be at peace with everything. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it reminds me of a song quote from the, a guy named Dan Fogelberg in the 70s. He says, one road is simple acceptance of life. But it's not really simple, but he's, but he's right. In this, you know, I mean, it's like you can take it two different ways. I mean, it's looking out at the world the same thing. It's a mess. It's always been a mess. And that doesn't mean you can't hold up intention for it to get better. But, you know, how much of your energy through your crown chakra are you going to dedicate to something you can't do anything about other than in your own little world? And you're cultivating your own little garden, as Wayne Dyer once said. So, Mm, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that word keeps coming back every time I think about I write, I think, I talk about self-love and love itself. Acceptance always comes up like huge. Yeah, this is it. I connect acceptance to inner peace. That's the only way really to be at peace within. And that's like you said before, which is incredibly wonderful. It is a miracle to be alive. And that's the truth. It is a miracle to be here. Um, My last, last question to you, Jeff. What three things in life you believe everyone should experience before they die? We could say something high level like, but then I haven't done it myself completely. <laughs> you know, what, what is true self, experience true self-acceptance? I don't, you know, okay. I, I, no, I, I think I don't have anything that just comes to me right away. I mean, I, you talk about activities, what things would, what activities should they, should they experience? I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I can't name three things. I, I, I'm going to take a moment here to just contemplate this. I mean, 
Uh, the only word that keeps popping into my head, and that uh, I'm not giving you a good close here, but the the idea of this, you know, it's not three things. It's 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 awareness. It's truly experiencing being aware. Truly experiencing being grateful. Truly experiencing being well. Those two things, and then you offshoot from there: awareness and gratitude. And 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 then I guess for me a true humility of of recognizing that you only know what you know and you only have the right to work on what you, what is you you know what i mean it's like these are these are not the kind of answers that maybe um i would i would come up with if i was in a different frame of mind but i think you've just you've just kicked my butt with that question cuz i don't have those you know three easy things to come up with i'm sorry no, it's absolutely fine. It's uh, it is what is right in this moment, and and I love that. I live for this. Um, yeah, awareness, gratitude. You're talking about powerful things. Um, it has been again a meaningful and fun conversation, Jeff. You're a lot of fun to talk to and to listen to. Um, where can we find more information about you? What you do and your books? I think the best place to go is just that daily inspirational. Uh, message site that I've had for over 12 years now, www.pondercentral.com, because on the nav bar, there's links to other things that I've done, uh, books I've written, Cody's Journey, my second book, and Spirituality Simplified, my first book. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. I always love having conversations with you. I'll talk to you soon, Jeff. Bye for now. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jeff Mazieric, please visit his website, pondercentral.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.